the world has shifted that your competitors or the thing that I hold someone to, the standard that I hold them to, is actually what I'm experiencing in my world. So why can't you do it as quickly as Uber can? Mm. Why aren't you as efficient as Airbnb, even though I'm talking potentially to a bank? So the reference point for customers has shifted. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Sales enablement is one of the fastest growing business trends globally, and our guest in today's episode is a household name in the African sales enablement community. Experienced sales leader and sales coach with over 18 years of experience in sales within the financial services industry. He is also a founding member of the trust enablement community and an international coaching federation certified coach. Please welcome Investec Private Bank's head of sales enablement, Dave Nell. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Awesome to have you here. For those people that don't know you, what's your background and what do you do now? Well, thank you for having me. Those people who don't know me, eh? how do you summarize that in a short, quick answer? <laughs> I'm coming from South Africa, Cape Town. It's my home, but my background is sales. I always say to people, I've been selling for 41 years, so now you know how old I am. But for the last 17 years, I've been working in sales within the financial services industry, all the way from being the salesperson, being the sales leader, running technical learning, and learning divisions. And currently I run a sales enablement and sales strategy function for a private bank here in South Africa. And then outside of that, I am an avid coach. I'm an ICF accredited coach. And that's really my passion is coaching and going on journeys with people. So that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. And you're also a podcast host, right? Oh yeah. I work on two different channels. So one, I have my own coaching podcast on LinkedIn, where I really focus on methodologies and skills that coaches can use in their conversations, because I think coaching is such a powerful concept. And then outside of that, I work for a community or I'm a member of a community called Trust Enablement. And our vision, I guess, is to elevate and to collaborate the profession of sales enablement around the world. So those are my two passions outside of my day job at the moment. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been really enjoying listening to your podcast. Thank you. If you think sales enablement is already niche, if you then get the African perspective on that space, you know, that takes it to the next level. Yeah. But I found it really useful and really insightful. So I would encourage anybody who is not based in Africa to listen to your podcast. It's a very useful resource. Thank you. That's very kind. So how do you approach sales enablement in your role? Financial services, sales enablement traditionally really emerged from the tech space. How do you approach sales enablement in the financial services space? Yeah, you're right. It definitely emerged from the tech space. And I mean, come on, banks are old, big institutions that tend to move quite slowly. So <laughs> it's not a surprise that we got on board probably a little later in the game versus those tech companies. But I think for me, sales enablement, there's a couple of key things. The first one is any function has to be tightly linked back to a business objective and a measurable. So if you aren't linking it back to what we're trying to achieve as a business and a very key metric in your financials, you run the risk of just being that something else that runs in the business. So that's the first one. And I think 
big corporations, you can easily get lost in the 20, 30,000 employees. But what you've got to do is you've got to bring it back to what is the actual ROI? What is the actual impact that you're having? So that's the first one probably for me. And then I think the other big one is that it's definitely not just about sales training. I think that the sales ecosystem is big. It's your sales leaders, it's your sales people, it's sales operations, it's marketing, it's your business heads, it's your clients. So you've kind of got to have a helicopter view when it comes to sales enablement and be careful not to box yourself into one small area that's just training. So looking at that ecosystem as standing up on the balcony and looking down and saying, what does this whole space look like? And then I think the last one, for me, that's key because we created a sales enablement function from scratch is we bring an element of innovation and testing, constantly test and try things, data to tell you whether or not the thing that you're working on, the the new methodology you want to bring in, the new process you're thinking about putting in, is it actually working? And if it's not, quickly innovate, quickly test, quickly tweak it. And then probably, sorry, a secret number, a last one is you've got to stay close to what's happening with your clients or your customers in the industry. I think those are a couple of key things that I'd look at about how we or how I approach the sales enablement role at the moment. Now that's awesome. The salespeople that you deal with, are they selling to institutional customers or are they consumers? So I think we've got a combination, which is interesting. So we work on both the individual end clients in our space, and then also some of our teams are B2B and working with either large corporates or medium-sized entities. So it's a little bit of a combination of the two, depending on which team you're talking to. So it seems like your remit in that sense is quite different to a lot of sales enablers, specifically in the tech space, in the sense that you need to cover both B2C and B2B. Is that right? Yeah, you do. But you know, the interesting thing is, hey, this is my humble view. I'm not sure that they are as different as people make them out to be. So I think that from a sales enablement function, maybe 70, 80% is the same. And you know that 20, 30% is different. But isn't that the truth when you're working with any team? You're going to have inside of the organization, those golden threads, those things that are consistent. And then the real magic is that little bit extra that you've tailor-made or that you've shifted because of the uniqueness of that team, that market, that segment. So I'm not sure how big the difference is, at least in my view. Yeah, yeah. No, I love what you're saying about that it's really not that different these days. I read a Salesforce research piece recently where actually B2B buyers were more likely to say that the experience for them during the sales process is more important than the product or is equally as important as the product itself compared to B2C customers. Yeah. So you can really see that B2B is getting consumerized, which means that, as you said, there's suddenly not such a big difference. You need to provide a great experience either way through your sales team. And I guess sales enablers play a big role in enabling that. I mean, isn't that the difference? The big shift that you've seen happening over the last couple of years and sped up definitely over the last year is that the customer's buying journey has changed. And normally what would have happened in the past is if I was coming in and I was thinking to buy something, what I would do is I would look at the competitors in that space. So I'd look at the three big competitors and as a purchaser, I would say, how do you stack up against them? 
the world has shifted that your competitors or the thing that I hold someone to, the standard that I hold them to, is actually what I'm experiencing in my world. So why can't you do it as quickly as Uber can? Mm. Why aren't you as efficient as Airbnb, even though I'm talking potentially to a bank? So the reference point for customers has shifted. It's their whole world. And I think it's the same thing in the B2B space. You're still talking to a person at the end of the day, and they still have an experience of what's available and what they expect. So definitely a shift, no question asked. Yeah, and I think especially the fact that the home and the work life are merging more and more, specifically through COVID, even accelerates that more. The borders are blurring and there's not a distinction anymore, at least not physically anyway. No. And I mean, can your mind really tell the difference? So if there's no physical distinction, I think your mind starts to suffer and can't tell the difference between the two either. That's right. I've been quarantining for the last five years in my home office. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the problem, right? Work becomes home. Home becomes work. What you're doing on your cell phone and your personal time, you're also doing your work and they just, that line just blurs completely. Absolutely. So for those BFSI sales leaders that might be listening and are considering introducing sales enablement into their organization, what would be your tips thinking back to the time that you launched your sales enablement function and the things that you've learned along the way, how they could make that successful and really work for their organization? Yeah, <laughs> tips, hey? Wow. One of the things I would say is definitely do it. Without a shadow of a doubt, where the world is today, where your clients are, how your salespeople are struggling to make sense of everything, there is a real need for sales enablement. So I think that there's a doubt in anyone's head, I would say jump in. But before you jump in and launch this huge initiative or new function inside of your business, I think there's a couple of things that you've got to be aware of, or at least start thinking about. So the first one is, what is your sales philosophy as an organization? So why do you win? What is your methodology, your mindset, your process when it comes to selling? And often what happens is I think people jump and they build a sales enablement function, but they haven't actually processed yet their sales philosophy, their mantra. Why do they win? The other thing I would say is how do we learn? So every organization is slightly different. Every team is slightly different. And before you go and put in this kind of huge function, be a little bit curious about your organization and say, how do we learn at this organization? The top guys who are winning, how did they get there? Because your function that you build needs to feel like it's part of the organization and not some foreign thing that was just shifted in. Because if you do that, it's just going to be rejected. So those two are key. The sales triangle is really, really important. So when building out a function, I would look at those three sides of the triangle, selling skills, product knowledge, client EQ, your function has to enable all three. And often we run out and try and do the sexy sales skills stuff and forget the other two parts of the triangle. The danger there is that the triangle falls over, right? If you just do sales skills, but you don't do product knowledge or CVP knowledge, and you don't do client EQ, the whole thing falls over. So I would definitely focus a little bit there. Two other things, I guess, especially in the financial institutions, the matrix is complex. It's not a tech startup where you've got a very simple structure and you're playing and you're thinking. Your stakeholders and your teams are vast and wide. You've got IT, you've got your tech teams, you've got your marketing teams, you've got your sales ops teams, you've got your risk, you've got your leaders, your salespeople. So there's a lot of people inside of that structure and make sure that you've drawn it out and really thought through who is your community 
and take everybody on the journey with you. I think the last thing I'd probably say is that coaching is absolutely key. If you build your function just around training, you're going to see very little return because you know that when people leave a training or a learning initiative, after a week, they probably remember about 7% of what you've taught them. So you've got to look at the end-to-end processes, the constant reinforcement, the constant upskilling, a once-off training function. It's probably a couple of the things that I would say. I'm wondering if I'm missing anything. Maybe one, you've got to have a goal. Every journey needs direction. So linking sales enablement back to a very clear business metric is absolutely key. Otherwise, you are just always going to filter to get buy-in. So whatever that business metric is, acquisition, bottom line, revenue, increase in clients, usage of a certain thing, whatever it looks like, you need a clear light to aim towards at the end of the day. I love what you said about coaching and incorporating that in the day-to-day to really make training stick and guarantee that ROI, which kind of brings me to the next question about incorporating sales enablement in the day-to-day of the organization. Like, What are some of the ways you think sales enablement can contribute on a daily basis to the success of the sales team? Like, How do you make it part of the way they operate? I think every organization is slightly different. One of the mistakes that I've seen is sales enablement professionals who move between organizations, which is great. It's lovely to see our profession moving around the world and doing different things. But you've got to be really careful because... You can't say, oh, when I worked at company ABC, we did X. And so we're just going to put that in here. You've got to be relentlessly curious about your teams. You're there to enable. So one of the things is make sure that you're constantly spending time in your team meetings with your salespeople, with your sales leaders. You can't just be this division that sits on the fourth floor that people go to for training. So that's the first thing is be visible, be curious, be involved. Get your hands dirty with the actual sales process, the actual clients that your people are engaging with. That would probably be number one. I think that the way that the world has shifted today, use tech to enable. So there's a lot of smart stuff that is out there that can help you. Your salespeople are potentially spread all over the world. Like you just said, a lot of them are working from home, so you're not actually going to see them all the time. Whatever your initiatives are that you are running or your programs are that you're running, use tech and data to help reinforce that what you're doing is really working. Show the results and be very input-based, I think, is also important. I say put your head down and look at the things that you're constantly doing that will result in success. So that's where data and tech can help. I think this interesting thing that you ask around making coaching real and on a day-to-day basis, making it live, right? the things that you're doing in sales enablement, how do you make them part of the DNA? I love that framework. It's a Miller-Hyman framework from quite a while ago. It's called the I know, I care, I can framework. And basically it says, look, if you're going to do anything, any new initiative, coaching, sales methodology, upskillment, whatever it is that you're asking of your sales guys to do, you've got to have three things. So the first one is the I know part. People have to know from their senior leaders in the business that this initiative or this thing that you're asking me to do is important. There's got to be a clear message. There's got to be a clear call to action. And I think often what we do as sales enablement professionals is we don't get the senior, senior people in our business to give the clear message. 
Because if you don't have that clear message, what's going to happen is people are going to say, it's not important. Whatever the initiative is, is I didn't hear it from the senior leaders, so uh, it doesn't matter. The second one is I care, which is really saying, it's great that Felix, the CEO of the business, gave us this rising message of why X is important. But what I'm not able to do is I'm not able to tie it back to what's in it for me. So I've seen the, the good sales enablement functions. They are very clear that if you do these things, if you take up coaching, if you make it part of your DNA, the impact on you is dot, dot, dot. So make sure that it's very clear. What does it mean for me? And that could be both financial. It could be personal growth. It could just be satisfaction. Whatever that looks like, make sure that, that what's in it for me is clear. And then I think the last one is I can, especially salespeople. We like to win. We like to see things work. And you have to ask yourself the question, well, if you've given a clear message from your leaders and you've given a clear indication of what's in it for you, then have you also given people the tools and the skills to be able to do what it is that you're asking them to do? So that's always the third part, right? Is if you want to make that coaching culture, those initiatives that you're running part of the day-to-day -day part of a sales leader or a salesperson's life, you've got to make sure that they've got the tools to make it come to life. So I think you've got to focus on all three at the end of the day. And then the last thing I would say is different organizations are going to do this different. Hey, Felix, maybe you can tell us how you've seen other people do it. But I think you've got to make coaching one of the KPIs of your leaders. And that can mean different things to different organizations. But if you don't measure it and you don't hold people accountable to it, it is very unlikely that you're going to consistently get it happening on a daily basis. I think there's a CSO Insights survey by Miller Hyman actually did that comparison between coaching only conducted by sales managers and what they call dynamic coaching, which includes coaching from all kinds of different sources. And you actually saw that if it's only left to the sales managers, the average quoted win rate is actually below average of the study. And if it's dynamic coaching, which includes coaching from all kinds of sources and how the old saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child, right? <laughs> so essentially that sort of approach to enable salespeople from a coaching perspective actually then has a positive uplift in terms of win rates. Yeah. I've got to say, I just want to add there, I'm pretty sure it was one of the heads of sales enablement at LinkedIn. I can't remember where I saw it, had said that what they did, interestingly enough, was they realized this concept that coaching has to be dynamic and it has to be part of your culture as an organization. And so that I can part, right? I, I've got the skills to do it. They sent their sales leaders on a self-made, I think, coaching course. But what they did as well, which was amazing, was they sent every single salesperson on the same coaching course, all right? And they said, we don't just expect our sales leaders to coach. We expect everyone to coach. That's awesome. But they also gave them the skills to do it. Yeah, I just saw that and I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? You take a thousand salespeople and you put them on a coaching course, not on a sales course. Wow. A coaching frenzy. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? You can't just say to one sales guy, hey, I would like you to coach your colleague, but you haven't given them the skills to do it. So again, I think often we forget that that last part of that framework is, do they actually know how? That's awesome. Are there any other ways you can think of that sales enablers can leverage sales managers to scale their efforts more and to incorporate in the day-to-day -day of the salespeople? For me, at least, the key is the relationship that sales enablement actually has with the sales managers. So 
if you're not sitting down and being curious about their world and understanding what their pain points are, it's unlikely that you're going to get that leverage and that scale that you're looking for. So again, what I would do is I would make sure that if I've got 20 or 30 or 40 sales leaders that I am enabling or working with, I would understand what is the pain point of every single one of those leaders in their teams at the moment and be working with them really closely to say, okay, here's our basket of tools, processes, training, whatever it might mean that we have. What is your individualized plan for your team? And so make it very much a partnership between you and that sales leader. And again, at the end of the day, what do people really care about? They want to know, is it going to help my team perform? So you'll struggle if you can't tightly link back the thing that you're doing to performance of the team. You've got to be able to show the ROI of your things that you're asking guys to do. So, I mean, I can't stress that enough. Otherwise, it's just another course or another book on my desk that you want me to read. It's got to be clearly linked back to performance of the team. Obviously, through your work, through your career, but also the interviews that you run in your podcast, you've got quite a good idea of the sales enablement space in Africa. How does it compare to the rest of the world? And what's unique about the sales enablement space in Africa? Africa is an interesting place. Hey? I mean, the interviews that I do, what strikes me, first of all, is that Africa is a massive continent. Inside of it, there are over 40 countries. And so when people look at North America, you're really looking at the US and Canada. But inside of Africa, you've got over 40 countries, different languages, different cultures, different clients inside of that. So it's really difficult to spray the whole continent with one one, if I can say that. And I see a lot of organizations doing that. They come in, they're a global organization, and they have a head of sales enablement Africa, right? That person is now the head of sales enablement for 40 countries. <laughs> which are vastly different. So I think that is a struggle. The other thing I think is that it's pretty much a very new profession inside of Africa. So the state is everybody's crawling. We're still very much fledglings and still trying to figure out what is sales enablement and what does it mean to the organization that's bringing it up. A lot of people still think that it's just training. And so I think we're still busy figuring that out. What is the same maybe is also interesting to ask. So I think at the moment, what's the same is Africa has not been left out of the global COVID pandemic, right? Very much been part of it. So I think big corporates and established companies are starting to ask themselves, what is our new normal? How do we navigate this? How do we help our sellers and our leaders navigate this new world that they find themselves in? So I think the question that's being asked of sales enablement is quite similar. Help us figure it out. And so there's a lot more responsibility on our profession to hold the organization. I think going back to your core seems to be key from what I'm hearing. So in times of crisis or in times of change, you've really got to say, what is our core? What are the key things we stand for? What really makes us different? What really helps our people win? What really matters to our clients? I see a lot of that pulling back and focusing on your internal self. Virtual, my friend. Hey, I mean, you're on the other side of the world. I'm in the bottom of Africa and we're talking. Virtual has become the thing that everybody's trying to figure out and what that looks like. And then probably the last thing I would say is that in Africa and maybe any sales enablement function across the world, because businesses have been so stretched, because lots of them are under pressure, ROI matters. 
if we're going to go spend money on something, if we're going to invest in a function, if we're going to put some new methodology in, some new kind of training in, if we're going to ask our leaders to coach, whatever it looks like, people really are putting on that magnifying glass, looking and saying, what is the return? What is the impact? And so I think everybody's looking for that. They're looking for return on the investment and on the money that they're spending. And then probably the last thing that I would say, Felix, is in Africa, our clients, our customers have done this like leapfrog. They've gone from having too much tech in their buying process to being exactly where the rest of the world is. So what's funny is it's kind of happened with cell phones in Africa as well. No one had a telephone and then everybody had a cell phone. So we like skipped the whole have a home phone, have a portable phone in your house. Then some people had cell phones, then all of a sudden everybody had it. And so what's happening in Africa is a lot of leapfrogging, a lot of catching up to the world very quickly and no time to adjust. But that's also exciting. It means lots of opportunity. Yeah, that's right. What really strikes me about Africa, there's so many fast growth markets that sales enablement is a real fitting function for that kind of environment of fast growth, having to figure out things along the way and really supporting businesses through that growth journey, right? And I think, as you said in one of our previous conversations, the growth rates that you probably see in Africa, you hardly see anywhere else in the world. So it must be quite a ride for those sales enablement people who are looking after 40 different countries. Yeah, absolutely. Are there certain pockets within Africa where you see the sales enablement function being more common? Or is it really just a question of global companies entering Africa as a continent and then saying, okay, this is your sales enablement person looking after the entire continent? Or are there sales enablement focuses specific on regions within Africa? No, there's definitely certain areas and actually certain sectors, I would say. So the first one is definitely there. I mean, look, there's big global organizations that have entered into Africa. And what they do is they take their global or their head office sales enablement function and they create something either in Africa or EMEA, I think also is quite often the case. So we get lumped into that space. So that definitely happens and that's across the continent. But those are the big, big organizations that you see everywhere. I think from a region perspective, South Africa certainly has a lot of big companies and more of a focus around sales enablement. And then Kenya, certainly no question asked. We see a lot happening there and maybe in a little bit of Central Africa, some as well. But really what's interesting is Africa has not been immune to the whole startup tech, fintech wave that's hit the world specifically because there's so many people in Africa who very quickly need access to things. And now all of a sudden, everyone's got a cell phone. So I think what we found is a lot of the fintechs, a lot of the startups are starting to say, we need a sales enablement function, which is exciting. So, you know, it's small organizations with 50 to 100 employees who are starting to say, oh, we've just all of a sudden found something. We're booming, we're growing. And we need to make sure that we bring in some structure and some consistency to our sales process. So while it's still very much a new profession, there are pockets of it happening a lot more. And I think if you fast forward to probably 24 months time, you're going to find that the size of the enablement community has easily doubled, tripled across Africa. Those are staggering numbers. When I talk to other people also in Southeast Asia yeah, who are looking huge. after emerging markets, you probably see similar patterns and similar growth rates. But what's interesting there, well, maybe not, it's a good thing, 
is what does it mean for sales enablement professionals around the world? Well, the first one, I guess, is if you want to move to Africa, if you wanted to, there's probably opportunity to do that. But probably more importantly, because of the way that the world has shifted, you have an opportunity to support and work with organizations in Africa without even leaving your home. And that's an advantage to us in Africa is we don't have to fly someone to Central Africa to help a sales team there or to work in sales enablement. As a matter of fact, we can talk to Felix in Australia, wherever it may be, and say, hey, can you come and talk to us? Can you come and work with us? Can you contract to us? Hey, could you even work for us full time and not move? And I think that for us in Africa has been an absolute game changer. Those organizations can leverage global resources very easily compared to what it looked like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess also if you look at the microcosm of sales enablement as a profession and the learning that comes with it and the development of the profession as a whole, just like we're connected today, there's so much exchange of knowledge happening within the communities. I think just like you might learn from a sales enablement expert from Silicon Valley, you might as well learn from somebody in a similar market from the other side of the world. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, thank goodness for people like you, for our trust enablement community, because the dark side of that is that there is so much content out there. There's so much information out there that as a sales enablement professional, it's almost like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. You actually don't know what's good, what's curated content, which methodologies actually work. But what I love about our community globally, it's such an open community to sharing. People love to share and to process and think. It's not this closed little, I've got the secret and I'm not telling anyone. So if you can find the right communities to join, as a sales enablement professional, there is so much good content out there that can help you filter out the noise. Because at the same time, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of info. There's just so much. That's right. Absolutely. So for sales enablement specialists or for sales leaders, business leaders and sales enablement professionals who haven't really found their set of resources yet that they can trust, what sort of resources do you recommend they focus on and they use to learn along their sales enablement journey? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would definitely recommend that you do is find your mentor or coach. If anyone needs some advice on who are some of the guys around the world who'd be great, I'm always happy to chat. I'm sure you've also got some great recommendations. Invest in someone who can really be a thinking partner for you. And then I'd probably say follow one or two podcasts. So like yours, Felix, is great. Yeah, and then yours, and then there's none left, right? Yeah, and then there's none left. No, there's <laughs> lots around there. Also, there's people who specialize, right? So what is your thing that you're really struggling with or trying to get better at at the moment? Is it onboarding? You know, Is it coaching? Is it sales methodologies? Is it actually your sales enablement charter? There's different things and different people are experts in them. I mean, I will say that our community in trust enablement, I think what's really great is we've got people who are good at different things and are not trying to be good at everything. So I would definitely say get involved in that community. There's a couple of others in the Sales Enablement Society has some interesting resources that lots of people resonate with. Just don't overload yourself. If you follow every single person, every single podcast, join every single society and every single thing, you're actually going to do nothing. So yeah, I'd pick two or three would be my bet. Awesome, Dave. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining and sure. being so generous with your insights and your knowledge. Of course. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? Yep, it's just LinkedIn. That's the best place. Dave Nell on LinkedIn. I think that's easy to find. That's probably the best one. 
or our trust enablement community, which is trustenablement.com, which are two good places to go. And Felix, thank you to you. You are doing what I am passionate about, raising the awareness, the profile, the level of our profession in sales enablement. So thank you for inviting me and having me on the show today. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at kruegermarketing.com slash learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com slash learn.